Hello and welcome to Camino Talks. I'm Sean from Follow the Camino and today I'm talking with Kelly Gilfillan from Tennessee who is one of the co-founders of Camino for Good. Welcome uh, Kelly. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Thank you. Um, perhaps you might tell me and the listeners a bit about yourself, your, your background and who, who you are. Um, well, I grew up in America and Tennessee and um, I'm, my background professionally has always been in marketing and I was in the healthcare business for a while and then started my own business in 2009. I'm an online news publisher. So I have uh, five news sites in middle Tennessee area that are just daily news for the city that they're in. And it's, it's the place where I grew up. So I really enjoy serving the community in this way. And um, I actually um, trained for the Camino in 2018 with my friend, Susan Depew. We met because of that training. Okay. And uh, on the Camino, I decided to sell my business, <laughs> came back and did so. Um, but I'm still working at that company. And, but we started Camino for Good um, last year during the pandemic. And it has been um, quite the journey and very fulfilling work. But I'm still, it's like everything I do is mar pretty much about marketing, advertising. I love to write. And okay. um, so. Very good. So I, I understand you, I suppose your, your first kind of connection with the Camino came in around 2017, 18. Like, what did you know about the Camino before then? And what kind of, why did you discover it? My friend, Bill Austin, um, who is one of the partners in Camino for Good, is he had been on two different Caminos. He had done the, uh, the French Way and the Norte. And I just, I saw a, just a really beautiful change in him as he went on those journeys and he came back and he stayed with us um, at our house for a while after. And um, when I had a big life change coming, I reached out to him and just said, do you think it would be good for me to go? And I had thought about going before, but life circumstances and I owned my business and I didn't feel like I could leave. But once you decide to go, uh, <laughs> it always seems to work out. The Camino provides uh, a path there. And um, that, so it's thanks to him that I went. And I, and, uh, but, and Susan Depew also, we met, I decided to go in December of 2017. And um, then I met Susan in January and we trained for four months and we didn't hike it together, but we were there at the same time and we ran into each other multiple times. So that was great. Okay, and in terms of training for those few months, what, what did that involve? Was it kind of heavy duty training? Were you fit? <laughs> well, I felt like I, I'm a runner, so I was running half marathons and, and was in pretty decent shape, but running shape and hiking shape are two totally different things. And, um, you know, running, you're, you're trying to have no weight on you and it's how fast can you go or, you know, meet your personal best. But hiking is about um, longevity <laughs> or, you know, you're, you're trying to carry what you have to, your life on your back. <laughs> and, um, and, it, and it's a different set of muscles too. So Susan had already done a bunch of research. She's, um, she was giving herself this adventure for her 70th birthday. And she was very wise. She had looked into what kind of training needed to be done. She had gone to her personal uh, trainer, athletic trainer, 
and he had worked with her on a schedule. So I just followed along with her schedule. <laughs> and we did, we did a lot of things, a lot of weekend hikes where we went the 12 miles. We tried to do as many days as we could that would be equivalent to what we would be doing over there. Yes. And then I threw in a couple of really tough, challenging hikes that, um, that are, Tennessee has a lot of uh, hills, not necessarily mountains until you get over to East Tennessee, but a lot, plenty of hills to train on. And um, we just had a blast. We invited all of our friends to come walk different days with us and told stories. And it yes. was, it was, a. I started my Camino when I met Susan really in, in January of 18. Okay. So you mentioned you had some uh, life-changing events and you mentioned your friend um, who'd done the self-caminos, he had changed. So it's, it seems talking to a lot of people is either the Camino is an adventure or it's people are going there because they are, they're at a major shift in their life um, stages or they're looking for an answer to something. Does that kind of resonate with you? Definitely. Yes. I think the way I tell people about the Camino is just to describe how you meet people. I mean, you're, you're just walking along the path and you may pass somebody a couple of different times because you stop to take a picture, which I took a lot of pictures, <laughs> but, or you may end up walking at kind of at the same pace as them, or you may end up staying at the albergue two nights in a row, um, the, you know, the same albergue is two different cities and you just start talking to people and you start meeting people. I heard stories about, I lost my wife and I'm carrying her ashes in my backpack and I'm meeting my kids in Santiago and we're going to Finisterre to, to put her ashes in the ocean. I met a mother who was there with her son. He was trying to kick a drug addiction. Um, I was going through a divorce. I met a lot of people going through divorce. <laughs> um, so lots of empathy there. And then, you know, for Susan, it was, uh, she wanted to connect, reconnect in a different way with her spiritual side and 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 it was the adventure yes. so it was more about having seven weeks to work on myself and figure out my what next for me it was it was that was getting a divorce and i and i needed some kind of clarity on who i wanted to be go forward yeah so um, you came back and sold to all of those <laughs> you came back and sold your business so Mm -hmm. Did you get that clarity that you wanted? Was that just? Yeah, yeah I was, I had been really sick um, about four days on the Camino and had gotten to Lyon, gotten some medicine. I was really starting to feel better and, and hiked Osobrero and, uh, or up to Osobrero. And I just, something about that place, just, I had so much peace. I had overcome some adversity that I was very sick <laughs> and had, I was walking four days with a fever before I could get to a doctor and um, didn't know I had a fever for the first two days. Um, and it was just maybe something coming out of that fog of the fever and, and then climbing that mountain and just, I just had peace about it. I knew that I, that it was the right thing to do. Okay. And then, so I mentioned you, you're one of the co-founders of Camino for Good. So perhaps you might kind of explain what that is and why you, you started that. There, uh, well, it was Susan's idea, my, my hiking buddy. And we were doing a virtual race across Tennessee. So this is a, an actual race that people do every spring and summer. They do a thousand mile 
run across Tennessee. And some people, you do it in stages. You don't necessarily, some people will just do it all the way straight through, but it was, um, it was a challenge to do it from May 1st to August 31st. And we, because of the pandemic, there was <laughs> the, the only thing I could really do was go out and hike. And so we, we would mask up and hike together. And we have a beautiful park where we meet three, four times a week anyway. So we started walking every day and we both signed up for the challenge. It was $60 to, to sign up for this challenge and they provided all the tools, but it was just very simple because it had always been a real race. You know, it didn't need to be virtual. And really all they provided was a spreadsheet for you to put your miles in and the idea of the challenge. And then they kind of just sat back and we did it all right. Yeah. So uh, after about three weeks, I think, into that challenge, Susan said, I have an idea and I want to talk about it tomorrow. I said, okay. So we talked about it for about three days. She just said, there's 200,000 people a year doing the Camino and none of them get to do it this year. So we don't know when people are gonna be able to do it again. Why don't we do a virtual walk across the Camino de Santiago? And I was like, that's brilliant. <laughs> and I had done, I had uh, in my company um, and on some nonprofit boards that I sat on, I had been involved in the creation of apps before. And so I knew enough to be dangerous, <laughs> but not as necessarily enough to be effective. Um, so I, uh, after we discussed it a few times, I said, well, we need somebody who understands data, how to organize the data, how to build out um, basically a platform. And I had one of my, I had five members of my Camino family that I had met and we still all talk every week. And, but Lindsay, from Australia was one of my Camino family. And he is all about data. He loves data and dreams about data, which is the opposite of me. And so one morning we, we just pulled up WhatsApp and we just did a video message to him and just said, this is what we're dreaming about. And he just, he texted back immediately and said, I'm in. It was like four o'clock in the morning in Australia, but he said, I'm in. And then um, we built out the idea a little bit more um, you know, we started a Slack channel and we started building a business plan and very shortly we decided, you know, we wanted this, we wanted to be doing good with whatever money we raised. And with that model in Tennessee, it looked like it could be a profitable model yes. and that maybe we could really do some good. And we kept saying, do some good, do some good. And which that's why our name ended up being Camino for good. And, um, and then we invited Bill who had talked me into going on the Camino and his daughter, Shaylin, who's also a pilgrim. And the five of us were the co-founders. And once we had that mission, you know, we, we knew the business model and we knew what we could build out. We knew kind of what we wanted it to look like. But once we had that mission of helping the albergues, everything started falling into place. And um, to, I, I was on vacation, I had driven, all the way up to uh, Rhode Island to be with my kids. And we all, I rented a place and we all came and sheltered together, just did a little pandemic family moment. And my son-in-law had just started working for a web development company. And so he, I told them our crazy idea. And he said, can I tell my bosses? And I said, sure. Well, it turns out his boss, Veronica grew up in Spain, loved the idea. And um, she and her partner Fabio came on as our developers 
at a very discounted price. <laughs> so we didn't have a lot of money. And, uh, and so we all invested, we built the app out and then Fabio and Veronica really loved what we were doing and um, thought that they could contribute. So they ended up investing in the company as well. So now we have seven partners and we've raised, um, we've, we've done two challenges. We did a challenge in January, kind of as a new year's resolution challenge called Walk for Good. And on March 1st, we're doing another challenge called March to Santiago. And that's a challenge to do three miles a day for 150 days and you'll arrive for the, the Feast of St. James because it's a holy year yes. um, for James. So um, that's a synopsis of our entire business, but, but it's, been a, it's been a beautiful experience and the, the feedback uh, just from the people using the app has been really um, heartening that, that, that our dream of trying to bring our Camino experience to that app is, is somewhat working. And, um, and then we've been able to give away 26,100 American dollars to nine different albergues. And when we interview the albergues, we just say, what's it gonna take to get you to June? And they are so open and just, these are, these are all of my expenses and this is what it would take. And so that's, that's our goal is to try to get everybody to June and we're gonna keep selling the app and keep trying to find more albergues and um, hopefully um, it'll open up this summer, but even if it doesn't, we'll just keep trying to help. Yeah. So I'm, I'll come back to the app in a minute, but so the, the albergues that you're um, helping and talking to, can you maybe describe a couple of, what, what are the challenges at the moment? Like what, what are some of them going through since basically March of last year, I imagine? Well, so many of them are, you know, don't have other jobs. Most of them don't have other jobs. And so uh, we say this on our website, no pilgrims equals no income. I mean, they have no way to pay for, I mean, a lot of them are in different situations. Some of them are renting the home that is the albergue and some of them are, have owned, are owning it and, or, or have mortgaged it. Um, we have had all three of those situations. Somebody owns it, but they still owe the taxes. And, and so you have that, you have that monthly expense of anywhere from $750 a month to $2,000 a month is what we've seen on that. And then um, the, uh, the, the running of it, just so that they can live there because these it's their homes too. You've got the heat, you know, the coal or the heat or whatever it takes to run it. And then they're just living expenses of, eating. <laughs> it's all very simple what they've laid out and what they're showing us that they need. And all they want to do is hold on and be there. Um, but, you know, we're, we're working with privately owned hostels. So in America, we would call that for-profit hostel. Yeah. And then we're also working with a lot of Donativos that are donation only. And there's just no pilgrims coming through. And, and if they do, it might be one in a month. Yes. So there's just no other way to survive. <laughs> and, and, and I think we've also heard some very heartening stories that you know, they're, um, the people that they're renting from have been very patient and let them um, pay it back. Um, they've had to take out loans. Oh, the other part is a lot of expenses on refurbishing and adapting the hostels to fit all of the new COVID requirements, yes. the government requirements. And so two or three, I think, have take, had to take out loans to make all the changes to the building. 
So now on top of their normal living expenses, which were low, they have this mortgage that they have to pay. And talking to them, do, do they feel positive for the future? And how will their business survive when, I understand they, they've got reduced capacity now as well. So even when things pick up, they potentially won't be able to have as many people staying um, every, every night in, in their hostels. Right. And I'm sure they'll have to adapt what their pricing model was, you know, to meet their expenses. The beautiful thing about working with these albergue owners is how much faith they have. They, they believe if they hold on, everything will be okay. And they don't know how they're going to hold on. And so when we show up and say, what do you need? They're just, I don't know. It's like they have a little mini party. <laughs> they're just so excited. Uh, that God and, and the Camino have provided, you know, they, they believe, you know, we were sent to them and we do too. Yes. Um, but um, all of them want to hang on. None of them are, I never heard anybody say I'm giving up. And um, I, it's, I don't know. I mean, I think there are those who have given up and didn't have any choice and we just didn't get to them soon enough, but it's, it's all very positive. In fact, one great story, we have this video on our website, um, Ernesto from Casa de la Sonrisas. I cannot speak Spanish, but that's close. <laughs> and he, um, he told this great story about how he normally in the summer would have a lot of pilgrims, but because he's a Donativo, he opens up to anybody. So he also has a lot of tourists. Yes. And he said it was probably the most peaceful, um, meaningful summer experience he'd ever had because everybody who came was a pilgrim. So it was always just this spiritual connection to everybody who was walking through his door where, whereas before he had a mix, he had the tourists and he had the pilgrims, but he had nothing but pilgrims. And so it actually was the heart. He said it was the hardest year of his life, but the best year of his life. Okay. And have you any kind of um, intention of, um, running an albergue yourself, maybe? <laughs> I think every pilgrim dreams that, you know, dreams about that at, at some point. Um, I, I don't think so, I, but I, I would love to be in service to the albergue owners in some way. Um, I, we all plan on going over to Spain as soon as we can. Uh, I was supposed to, do, to hike the Portuguese route in, last May and didn't get to go. And so I'm ready to that's why I ended up going to Rhode Island because that was my, uh, the time I was supposed to be in, in Portugal with my daughter. So um, I, I can't really see it, but never say never. <laughs> I, I would love to live over there, even if it were for a short period of time. I, it's just the, one of the most beautiful places. I've traveled a lot. Yes, um, yes. I, I think Ireland, Scotland, and Spain are my favorite places in the world. Very good, good countries to choose from. Yes. <laughs> I'm a little, I'm an Irish girl, so. <laughs> Do you have any, any, any kind of um, relatives or kind of um, ancestors from Ireland or from this part of the world? No, I, I, well, I mean, back in the 1600s, <laughs> but my, all of my family came over um, in the probably, I think, 1750s on my mom's side and a little bit later on my dad's side but my family's been in America for a very long time. Okay. They probably kicked us crazy Irish people out. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Collins. <laughs> okay, 
Um, so you mentioned you're going to be doing the March to Santiago um, challenge from the 1st of March. And I understand it's, it's more than just a kind of a, um, a virtual kind of walk. You've got participation from John Briley as well. Yes. That's correct. So what, what are you doing for that challenge? So the app itself is um, from St. John to Santiago. And one of the first things we did, and I still can't believe we did this, but we reached out to John Briarley and he answered. <laughs> and we just said, would you, you know, would you like to be involved in some way? And he said, absolutely. And we said, you know, we want content for every city. There's 207 stops on the app. And, um, and we said, you know, could we, could you share some of your content with us? We're thinking we'd like to have that mystical, spiritual part of each of the towns and, and the history. And he said, absolutely, take what you want. And we couldn't believe it. So we don't have that on every city because we like to kind of mix it up. But um, we did, I think probably on 75 of the cities, we have John Briarley's content and a link to his website. So you can buy his book, of course. And then we also have Pilgrim Stories audio files, people from all over the world who are just telling and somewhere between one and four minutes, something that happened to them on the Camino. Mine is at Cruz de Ferro. That's one of my favorite stories. And, um, and then we also have just inspirational quotes and things along the way. So the March to Santiago is that 150 day challenge, which averages three miles a day. And we um, are building out content because our, our kind of subtitle for the March Santiago is 150 days of hope and healing. And so Susan, our, our partner, it has built out content for the 23 weeks and everything is focused on, I mean, all of us have been isolated. All of us have been through some kind of hardship. Many of us have lost someone. And so just for the last year, or maybe a little over a year, you know, we all have something that we're going to deal with. And, and so she's building out some amazing inspirational uh, content that everybody will receive every Sunday. And um, for example, the, you know, one of the weeks will focus on the word joy and she has meditation practices and inspirational quotes, different things you can read, some poems. And it's just a, a different thing for you to think about every day while you're walking and to hopefully just because uh, that's what you do on the Camino. You yes. usually arrive there um, with some kind of question or some kind of goal. And so we're, we think this will maybe, our, we love our app and we think our app is wonderful, but we think this might help deepen the experience for people who are seeking that hope and healing. But it's also, it's there for people who just want to have the challenge. And um, but I, I'm excited about uh, this particular March and how we're doing it a little bit differently. Okay, so you mentioned you were you're kind of a runner as well. So I'm interested in, in the I suppose the longevity of these challenge apps because I know if you're a runner, you got Strava, Fitbits, it, that's well established. But are the virtual challenges, and it's not just your app. There's other kind of companies doing it. Mm -hmm. Are they just around while people cannot travel, or do you think they'll kind of um, continue for for kind of walkers as opposed to runners? I think um, we've actually talked about this a lot because as a business model, you want, you want longevity. You want to know how you're going to 
business. We'll, we want to keep our, our pilgrims around. <laughs> so our plan is um, to build out, there's 28 different routes in Spain, but then there's also um, the Portuguese way and, and there's, there's Caminos in uh, South America. There's uh, the Pacific Coast Trail in America. There is in North America. And there's also the Appalachian Trail. So I think we really have endless opportunities to build out the trails, but to do it as well as we did the, the French way, you know, we're gonna, we have to get over there and take the pictures because we're very picture heavy. Yes. We really want people to see what it's like to walk. So from, you know, from St. John to Roncesvalles, I mean, we're, we're showing you that entire walk the up and over the mountain, you know, and you're seeing, we have over 3000 pictures <laughs> in there. And so we would need to, to build out that many photos, but our, we are building out Finisterra and Mashia route, uh, the Primitivo and the Norte, hopefully by the end of the year so that our pilgrims will continue to walk. Cause I, you know, the, the secret of the Camino is once you finish, you go, oh, my life is the Camino. <laughs> so you just keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's what we hope is that we'll be able to do that and that, that we'll be able to continue to be there. And I don't know exactly what our mission will look like because, you know, right now our business is the app, but our mission is the albergues. And, you know, we don't know what it's going to look like when it opens back up mm -hmm. for them. Um, but we know a lot of them have closed. So we can also see the possibility of helping people open yeah. um, albergues along the way. So, but yeah, I, we, we do talk about that a lot and that's our plan for right now. The, the big hairy audacious goal would, would be to, you know, do routes all over the world. Yeah. There's, there's one over in uh, South Africa that I would love uh, to do. And I think it's great, even with just kind of one one route at the moment, you've already kind of um, helped a number of albergues possibly stay stay afloat and avoid them closing, which, which is great. Yeah, and we're we're very blessed. I mean, every time we give the money away, we feel like we're the ones being blessed because they are they are the ones who are giving. They've all come to be albergue owners because they walked a Camino. Some of them walked 30 Caminos. <laughs> Some of them walked eight and became, so we interviewed them last Thursday. We had all nine on and um, by Zoom and they all told their stories and of how they became albergue owners and, and shared what the situation was uh, for them right now. But every one of them said, you know, we'll be here, come see us. Yes. And so that was as inspiring as could be. <laughs> uh, that, that's, that's excellent. So um, just before we wrap up, maybe what are your kind of key or most important memories of your, your own Camino on the Camino Frances, people mm -hmm. you met or the... Well, I think that the first day is something I'll never forget. The, the excitement, the build up to that, but then actually doing it and just the, the scenery that day is probably the most beautiful on the whole thing, but everything else rivals it. But that is the most beautiful scenery that's, ever. That's the, the climb over the mountains, Pyrenees. Mm -hmm. and back yeah, St. John right. through the Pyrenees. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, over over the mountain and into Spain. And uh, it's it's a, it's also the longest day. It's uh, a lot of miles or kilometers. And then um, Cruz de Ferro, I, I think that people 
hopefully learn about that before they go. So, I mean, it is, it's a emotional experience for everybody I've ever met that walked. It's one of the first things you usually end up asking about. And so what is that then for people who are listening? So the Cruz de Ferro is a, a cross that is standing kind of in the middle of nowhere. And um, the legend is that St. Francis walked the Camino and then he placed it there. And that's not the original cross, I think, because it's been standing so long, they've replaced it several times. I believe the original cross is in Burgos at the cathedral, um, or it's definitely in Burgos, but I can't remember where. And, um, but you bring something to the cross. Um, some people will, in America, will bring stuff for people, people who are ill, people who want healing, you know, they'll carry stuff for other people. For me, it was, um, I brought three different shells for my three daughters. And um, I, I, but then I picked stuff up along the way and kind of let that represent something I needed to let go. And um, when I got there, it was, I stayed in, uh, gosh, Robadel del Camino, I believe. And the night before, um, listened to the monks do the, the Benedictine chanting was just a very holy experience and the Camino I was staying at couldn't have been any friendlier but it was it was just a a great preparation I set off the next morning and it was something from a movie just walking through the fog and all of the flora and fauna the sun rising you know got up at five to everybody says you want to see the sunrise on the way well it stayed foggy <laughs> but um we just get there and there's just a power in that place and there's a pilgrim prayer yeah. that some people will say if, if they're they believe in that and but it's it's about you know let this walk represent my dedication to you you know and and when it comes time for me to meet you please consider that I have to, I have made this journey and and I'm totally simplifying that prayer <laughs> it's much more complicated than that but and more much more beautiful than that and um but I was able to just lay down the burdens of my divorce and know that I was going to be okay and it's just symbolic you know of of what we all need to do we're all carrying something whether it's in our backpacks or in our hearts and to have the opportunity to physically make that journey and just set it down was was incredible it's fantastic fantastic so ho hopefully you will be able to make the Camino later on this year I'm certainly hoping myself to travel with some friends in September but who knows That's what. my plan. <laughs> Maybe you can help me out with that. <laughs> That's what you do, right? That is indeed. And as as we spoke previously, your, your, your colleague and your co-founder, Susan, she was actually a, a kind of a, a client of ours. She is. Yeah, of she used, yeah, she used to follow the Camino and it was just a great experience for her. You know, she's, um, she wanted, she really thought long and hard, do I want to, just keep walking and not know where I'm going, which is what I wanted. Um, and a lot of people want that, but it's also not the right choice for a lot of people. So having a service like Follow the Camino that'll help set it up for you, it is a, I think it's a game changer for the people who just need that comfort or maybe they're a little older or they're just, they may maybe never traveled by themselves before to know that you have that assurance 
Um, and I loved I loved all the different services that were there once we got there that we didn't really know about, but all of your clients probably do know about it, where that you can send your pack ahead if you get injured or if you just physically can't carry the weight. I mean, I think all of that's amazing. And the more services you can provide to allow for more people to do it is, I think what y'all are doing is really important because I, I, in my heart, I want as many people to hike it as possible. That's the other great thing about the app is, or we hope, is that it will inspire others to actually go. We hear that a lot. I've always wanted to do it and um, never thought I could. And now I have walked it with your app. And so I now I know I'm going to Spain. And I, when I hear that, it's just amazing. So maybe maybe we'll get to meet in September. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> that would be cool. <laughs> well, well, Kelly, I, I want to thank you for taking your time to talk talk with us. It's been very interesting, and I wish you all the best with um, the, the virtual challenge and the march to Santiago. Thank you. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk again in the future. Yeah, that would be great. Look forward to it. All right. Thank you. Bye bye. Buen camino. Buen camino.